Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here back on the channel. And I've got a, a really special, really special gift for you guys today. I'm joined with, now I've had to keep his identity anonymous, but I've got an insider from the educational institution here with us. Uh, he's been inside for many, many years now and was really eager to share a lot of information as, as to what's going on in the education field right now. And I really jumped on the opportunity. So um, we're gonna call him Mr. W for today. Mr. W, thank you so much for, for coming onto my platform and just giving us access to what you've been able to see, observe in the in the industry. So um, yeah, firstly, thanks first, a lot. Firstly, yeah, no, thank you because it's extremely hard you know, to find like-minded people to share certain information with, yeah. uh, as you know, and in particular in the educational uh, institutions, it is a predominantly leftist liberal perspective that many of the people hold. And I think yeah. predominantly that deals with the fact that, you know, teachers unions have been in constant battle mm -hmm. with the government for a long, long time. So they feel the need to be activists yeah and yeah. you know i agree with you know i agree with fighting for what you deserve in terms of monetary compensation but allowing that to seep into the classroom is you know where i i draw the line i feel like teachers now have become very politicized and they're you know they're consistently creating uh lesson plans based on the curriculum so it's right. coming from the top down to make children into into activists and, and influence them to think in a particular way and only in a particular way when, as we know, it's almost embarrassing that, you know, there's so much information out there, you know, there's the internet. People, and I say this sometimes to my students, you know, you can self-educate in this period of time with all the information at your fingertips. Like, all you need is a, a truly a phone at mm -hmm. this point, right? And you can learn languages, you can learn about history, and you can learn about any type of history. Right. And some of the things that we see consistently in the classroom that I've seen, you know, certain people being element like elevated to the position of, of heroes, like <laughs> Chazzy Jennings, for example. You, know, you see a confused kid on an MTV show, and you're like, this isn't an appropriate thing to show these children and to deify these people that have, uh, uh, you know, certain influences in their lives, negative influences from the so-called people that they care about. And yeah. it's just, uh, you know, they're directed into a certain way uh, for money. And it's just, you know, Greta Thunberg is, is another one. Oh, no, and, not Greta. Uh, oh. Uh, she, she's, a consistent, she's now a consistent part of the curriculum. There's no question about it. She's now a consistent part of the curriculum. There's no question about it. Are you and, serious? You know, she's one of the, she is. And I, she, you know, I was going to ask, uh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Um, you mentioned yeah, MTV. Are they are they actually showing MTV material in the classroom right now? They're not showing MTV materials like, hey, I'm going to show you a clip. Yeah. And we're going to discuss the relevance or significance of this clip. No, it's a picture. But everybody knows that the origins of that picture comes from the oh, television shows. Uh, it's a ch I think the, the girl's name is Chaz Jennings. Okay. And she's yeah. actually, I believe, a male that identifies as a female and has gone through the changes right, 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 uh, right, right so and you know I, as you know like certain ages are very um you know they're going through developmental changes not just physically but mentally as well and i feel like 
yeah. you know, this is an element that we need to kind of steer away from, right. uh, you know, exposing to, to influ- you know, to kids that can be influenced rather easily. Right, right, right. right. So see, it's, now, it's just frustrating to see. Oh, I know. I, I feel you. Yeah, I feel you. And see, th- this is the problem. Now, throughout history, we've known that social engineers specifically target the children. They specifically target the children because they know that from the critical developmental ages, zero to seven and, and beyond, the mind is, is like a sponge and it's just soaking up absolutely everything. Um, and this is a way to, for the human being to prepare for the world that they're going to be living in. And so, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. and, and, um, and th- <laughs> it's been a really, really kind of insidious thing what they've done with the school system in general. And we're talking from, you know, from the late 1800s, early 20th century, uh, where the school system was kind of taken over by insidious, you know, corporate fascist uh, powers. And it's very cool. Yeah, the Frank, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Frankfurt School, Uh, critical theory, all of all of that stuff, really subverting the minds of children. And it becomes so unfortunate for people like yourself, and other teachers who are good people, who are smart people, who have so much to offer children, but we're forced to be, we're forced into this educational system where we have things like Common Core, we have this curriculum where we're, we're getting a template to teach to kids and good professors, good teachers only have so much leeway. My brother yeah. is, is a teacher, for example, and he's going through yeah. a lot of the same stuff. And so here's here's the problem, guys, is that right now in 2020, okay, we're we're under a completely new threat. We're under the the COVID-19 uh, propaganda, fear porn agenda, where they're just using it as a precedent to launch a whole new set, a whole new slew, a, a wave of tyrannical technocratic controls over the population and the kids are being targeted like no other and the i think what we want to get out of this is that because you've been in the in the institution for a while and you've seen kind of the (laughs) the slow creeping conditioning of these kids even before 2020 and yeah it's ironic yeah it's ironic because at some point we were subtly exposed. I don't know how old you are, but I'm in my early 40s. And mm-hmm. I was subtly exposed to this stuff, I remember, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as a child at school. Yeah. You know, and I remember, uh, you know, at certain points, I felt like I was punished because I was an energetic boy. Right. And I'll get into that later. But right. to add to your point, uh, you mentioned the fact that certain people, uh, you know, grasp onto the educational system and direct it and to their to suit their needs, their agendas. Yeah. And you know, you know, as someone who studied history extensively, Lenin says, "Give me four years to teach the children, and the seed I have sown will never be uprooted." Mm-hmm. You know, and he is, uh, you know, obviously one of the innovators of Marxism. He's obviously, you know, the the creator of the 1917 revolution, right. you know, and it led to the destabilization of Russia and millions on millions of people killed. Yeah. And uh, these are things that are often avoided. Like the, the, the focus is never on the rise of socialism and its strict destructive patterns. It's always on the rise of fascism. But the irony mm-hmm. here is, is that, um, 
as Anthony Sutton said, yeah. three types of socialism. There's uh, FDR, New Deal socialism, which mm -hmm. we've been exposed to in the West. There's Bolshevik socialism. Right. And then there's, uh, there's uh, Nazi socialism or National Socialist socialism, mm -hmm. right? And basically mm -hmm. the only difference between uh, the Bolshevik and the National Socialist versions of fascism is that one uh, actually lets the citizen kind of prosper even though they do have to conform yeah. and the other one conforms the person into the system and beats the culture out of them so right. one is sort of like a culturalist fascism and another is like a hyper uh, nationalistic uh, form of fascism right. they're no different right they're, it's no different, just, yeah. they're, they're, they're on the same spectrum and i just think that you know we're fighting the wrong battles in terms of uh, you know, the disparities in the, or the best way that I can put it is that the education system right now is being subverted right. by social engineers. And I can give you dozens of examples off the EFO website. If you go to EFOvoice.ca, mm -hmm. if you look at uh, a whole slew of their magazines, Jeez. everything is filled with social Marxism from Black Lives Matter oh. to, um, to climate change, to Greta Thunberg, yeah. to the new normal that's a word that's exploded into educational lexicons and kids are going back to school and the first thing they're learning about is guess what ebola outbreaks and sars oh. so let's compound fear with fear right right, right. Just, and, and you can see like i see i see the boys and girls and i see some of them that i know as energetic okay. like that in a normal that in a normal classroom environment would kind of be buzzing around okay. and you can tell that there's the fear of god in these children because all of them are in this whole like 1919 classroom mentality where they're silent yeah. they have their masks on which is completely unhealthy oh, for absolutely. seven hours a day yeah you know yeah. and it's ridiculous we know this mm -hmm. and 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 this information is public right so yeah. uh teachers are creating uh lesson plans to you know dictate uh the new normal Mm -hmm. right what are the principles of the new normal how has the world changed right and i know and just to bring back yuri bezmanov he mentions this there's a normalization period after you know a sort yeah. of catastrophe or war destabilization period exactly it's just, exactly i feel yeah. like i'm involved in this you know i feel like hey you know i love my job because i love to influence young minds yeah but not influence them to a certain direction no i like to expose them to great knowledge that right. sometimes it's going to be considered liberal knowledge sometimes it's going to be considered conservative knowledge but great knowledge is great knowledge all the same yeah for example i, yes. I like i like howard zinn but mm -hmm. i also like paul williams as an author they would be on the opposite ends of the spectrum mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i've read patrick buchanan who was uh who's an excellent historian who basically documented one of the most accurate histories of world war ii Without the typical mumbo jumbo you get in high school, you get the base fundamentals of imperialism, fascism, colonialism, etc. You get bullet points. You never get the actual uh, breakdown of why wars happen. Right. There's never the talk about like bankers' involvement, industrialists' involvement, corporate involvement. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's mm -hmm. just so frustrating because what frustrated me the most is I realized that I was subjected to this type of of social engineering when I started reading books outside of school that, you know, were from accredited and, and great authors, you know, yes. like Anthony Sutton, for example, he breaks down how 
uh, you know, certain elements of, uh, you know, high-ranking American families profited off of rearming Hitler and the Soviet Union. Right. You know, you don't right, learn right. about that in high school. Right. And I think that there's this talk about let's create critical thinkers, mm-hmm. but we're only going to give them inf- information from only one side of the spectrum. So yeah. be, you, they're being socially engineered and it's just, that's it's it. Just frustrating to see. I know. Um, the more, I mean, all my education had to happen after I was educated, or I should I say, propagandized throughout school. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Now, I guess one thing that I wanted to, I wanted to ask you was okay because we kind of touched on it a little bit, but can you, could you give us maybe even walk us through uh, maybe a typical day? Or so as because a lot of us have been out of school for a long time and um, we only have our own personal experiences of high school uh, or university or college right now. But specifically high school, elementary school, we only have our own experiences. And a lot of people, they they just don't exactly know what is happening. The, The monstrous types of things that are happening in elementary schools and high schools right now. Could you give us just a general outline of what a, a day would be like in the, in the schools right now and what material is being taught if they're in what, a particular class, what is being given to them? You know, so just your general outlook on, on what's happening in the classroom, typical day. So typical day would yeah. be, from my perspective, you know, we start at, uh, say, 9.15 and we end at 3.45. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's your typical day, I would say. From what you remember in elementary school and high school, it's pretty structured in the sense that it's broken down into three blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's periods in each block, and there's basically transitions from, uh, it could be from one teacher or it could be from a handful of teachers. There's transitions from strand to strand. So, for mm-hmm. example, you can go from math to English, and then you can go from English to music. Yeah. Uh, and basically, you know, most of the material, like math, is very, very straightforward. Okay. The way that I learned math, and an effective way that I found mm-hmm. to learn the basics of math was rote memorization. Right. And I know that that can be extremely difficult, but in this day and age, the push up until just recently was discovery math. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind discovery math was basically to give a whole bunch of tools to the kids and you tell them to solve a problem without any, without having any you know, backwards knowledge. Hmm. So I obviously disagree with that. Yeah. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I think that uh, certain students need certain, you know, fundamental building blocks in order to, to go into their toolbox to use the tools necessary to solve a particular problem. Of course. Right? Yeah. You, can't, you can't give a grade for a multiplication problem if they've never seen or don't have an idea of what multiplication is, yeah. right? If they don't have that association with addition. Right. And for a long time, the interesting thing was, uh, was despite the plummeting math scores in Ontario through EQAO, for example, the f- focus was actually on changing the sex ed agenda. That mm-hmm. was the primary focus for the Ooh. Liberal government in Ontario. Ooh. And once the Conservatives came into power, I have to say, Doug Ford uh, wanted to change the math curriculum. And recently, uh, and uh, I'm saying this positively, we've gone back to a more traditional form of teaching mm-hmm. math. In the past, there was a lot of over-analysis. Uh, clearly, we borrowed a lot of uh, things from the American Common Core, 
mm-hmm. system, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous because the common core system is stupid. Yeah. Uh, I hate yeah. to use that word, but that's really what it is. <laughs> uh, use it as much as you want in this channel, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's just absolutely, it's just, I was looking at some of the problems and they were absolutely horrifying. Yeah. It's, why would you complicate a problem like five out of five, like five multiplied by five? For a young student, why would you? Yeah, didn't we get this kind of liberalization, this this kind of subjective understanding of something straightforward as math? You know, we had the one plus one equals three it's, crowd. It's not know? even. And it's funny that you mentioned subject because there's this push in math to say that it is racist yeah. because it benefits uh, uh, Western white males or Western white society the most in their words and i think it's i think it's ironic because algebra was invented in the middle east by you know an arab guy named algebra you know like it's it's, it's mind-boggling it's mind-boggling it's like yes uh you know the world shares knowledge yes yeah and 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 i'm get over and i made sure that yeah the world shares knowledge and uh, okay so to give you an example of something in the uh in the history curriculum, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about we talk about decolonization. Okay. Now, what does the word decolonize? What does the word decolonization mean? It means effectively, if you've had a colony somewhere where you had a presence somewhere, you all of a sudden pack up and leave. Right. Uh, I found like a lot of social Marxist terms. This is a euphemism. Mm-hmm. Basically, what they're doing is they're decolonizing. Uh, the old ideas and they're recolonizing it with their new ideas, hmm. okay. right? So to give you an example, uh, in, in Canadian history, for example, yeah. uh, you know, the Western, the, the Ontario governments, uh, the, the old Quebec governments, uh, they're made out to be these racist monsters. Yeah. And I was like, I was, I was reading through the textbook one day because I was interested and they actually had an article that said, uh, officially that, you know, that Indians or Aboriginals, I should say, excuse me, Indigenous people in mm-hmm. Canada yeah. uh, were given the smallpox uh, blankets. And right. as we know, that that's false, right? We've right, known that right. that's false forever. Yeah. And even if we didn't know that that's false, if we had real critical thinkers, we'd understand that germ warfare would have been such a ridiculous concept <laughs> in the 19th century. Right. The 18th and 19th century. Right, right, right. right. How, how are the guys germinating the blankets not think to themselves, hey, we're exposed to smallpox too. Sure. You sure. know? Yeah. Like, people don't think of this. They just think that, oh, they deliberately infected people with smallpox. But mm-hmm. germ warfare hadn't been invented until the 20th century, if I'm right. not mistaken. Right. So, so we do, there's this deliberate attempt in, in Canadian history, specifically from, like, around, you know, grade seven through to... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, grade 10, that we discussed that, you know, Aboriginal people, Indigenous peoples in Canada were treated extremely poorly, mm-hmm. you know, they were exterminated, uh, the evil white man, you know, stamped his colonial legacy all over, all over Canada, yeah. uh, he expelled Aboriginal people to certain places, and, um, you know, we were actually shown this video where they showed Chris Christopher Columbus's ship travel from Spain all the way to America. Right. And I'm watching this video and I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, if teachers made this, they would know that Columbus never actually landed in America. In America, yeah. Yeah. And, and they're showing this. You know, wow. And this is, 
this is supposed to be legitimate knowledge from legitimate sure. educators in sure. trusting position and one of the most uh you know supposed to be pristine institutions you know mm -hmm. we talk a lot about public education and how it's the big difference between our way of lives and 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 people that have like a, a horrible living experience in other countries that mm -hmm. you know don't have the same uh educational opportunities that we do yeah and it's, yeah. And it's sad to see us pervert this now we've just gotten into a state well, where right where wrong is right and right is wrong and oh yeah and, and we're we're politicizing the scene we're taking education uh in particular while well, we're talking about history and we're we're taking what is history history is the recorded experience of individuals of people and what yeah. happened happened and what we're doing is we're taking that and we're interpreting it and we're making it a subjective yeah. thing for political uh, ambitions and we're giving that to the next generation so that they grow up thinking that history is something that it never was it's so dangerous yeah. so, it's so dangerous it is dangerous and and typically through the course of your day occasionally you'll have what i call a social engineer as you mentioned brilliantly before come in what I call a social engineer, as you mentioned brilliantly before, come in, yeah. who is uh, either working for a prominent board or is a freelance speaker. And these people oh, are wow. getting paid like in the six figures. These people are getting paid in the six figures. Oh, wow. And they come okay. in and they basically discuss with the students, you know, what white privilege is. Uh, you know, let's uh, share information about uh, ourselves and we'll do it in like the Micmac way as if the Micmac hadn't ever fought a battle against another rival indigenous group ever in history. Uh, right. We discuss why treaty lands are important and the visions of treaty lands. Whoa, okay, wait, wait a minute. Wait, okay. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So this, so some some extraneous figure, some, some, some figure from a, an NGO, or some other some other group it just comes into the school and starts giving lectures just some just someone who's Absolutely. not hired by the school really someone who doesn't work as a teacher but is either a consultant okay so they may have connections with the board yeah they could be an external freelance specialist like for example there's uh to give you a name kiki ojo thompson okay who uh talks and gives seminars on anti-black racism and how uh, and how basically uh, slavery still impacts uh, minorities today, specifically black people, and how um, they have a, a particular experience. Right. And because of the continued use of the Western, you know, principles that we know in education, yeah. it continually oppresses. Um, you know, black students because it kind of stereotypes them. That's my understanding from this gibberish. Right. And right. funny thing is, is I, I, it sounds like intellectual babble, and that's mm -hmm. basically what it is because there is absolutely no evidence to back it up. Not even circumstantial evidence, because yeah. I can tell you, uh, I find it insulting personally that they have these exterior, external, excuse me, consultants come in mm -hmm. and, and tell us you know, who are with the children all day, what the problem is with the children. You right. know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Because at the end of the day, I can tell you positively, I've had students of different ethnic groups, uh, you know, do poorly. I've had students of different ethnic groups do extremely well. 
you know, and it's just, uh, you know, it's normal to just treat all the children equally. But, mm -hmm. but I stop at equally. When equity comes into the equation and you'll hear the word equity in a classroom, God knows how many times from certain teachers, mm -hmm. you just want to gag because equity is basically the idea that we should have the same outcome. Yes. You yeah, know, exactly. and it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's exactly. ridiculous because because we all have our different strengths and weaknesses. And you know what? If if you're young and you're dedicated, the truth is is that you can turn weakness into a strength. Sure. You know, or if for example, if you want to improve your math, you continue to work on, you know, certain math trends that you have difficulty with. It's not right. really that hard. Right. And I find that people overcomplicate it. And, well, and, yeah. and we've seen we've seen a transition, I'll tell you, from the beginning of my teaching career to now, where mm -hmm. it's just constant divisive rhetoric. We've gone exactly. from boys versus girls now for in the past to mm -hmm. Uh, you know, now we have different racial groups and different minorities and different problems. And, uh, you know, we have to basically uh, deliver an education that's uh, decolonialized and uh, basically discusses the experience of immigrants in this country. Right. And it's just, I just find it ironic because, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> go to Japan and give Japanese students a lesson on Japanese privilege because they happen to be in their own country. You know, and they're and they're entitled to their own to their own culture. You know, well, you wouldn't go to China and talk about Chinese privilege, right? right you wouldn't right. go to India and talk about Indian privilege. Like yeah. if I went to India, one of the poorest countries in the world, where there's a an actual case system and I started talking about Indian privilege, I get chased out of town. Yeah. And yeah. it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And you know, like I've been called a privileged, entitled white male, and it's funny because, you know what, if you studied history, you would know that I'm actually Indo-European because <laughs> people migrate from everywhere in the world. Yeah. You know, they come from different places and they've gone around. And, and that's the thing, when decolonization was brought up, I said, so what does this mean? We all pack up and go home? Do we mm -hmm. go back to our cytoplasmic states yeah. on the beach in Madagascar before we evolved into human beings that dared to travel, yeah. that dared to build boats? Right. You know, dared to go to different areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. We we had good relations with people, but we also, you know, there was bad relations be, between people too. And, sure. and Canada is a perfect example of that. You know, they never teach uh, in Canadian history courses, as far as I know, they never teach that the Aboriginal populations in this country were at war with each other mm -hmm. before the Europeans arrived. Oh, of they course never they teach were. that slavery existed yeah. in North America, yeah. and this is a documented fact long before uh, the, the European settlers arrived here, or were colonizers, now they call them, because yes. settlers was apparently too benign, so we call them colonizers now. <laughs> right? Because colonizing has this negative connotation to it. But what these sure. people don't realize is that they're colonizers too. Mm -hmm. The Western men may have built this country, but you are coming in and you are siphoning from the fruits of his labor and enjoy, rather enjoying it, may I say. <laughs> you know, the people that I, I hear talk about climate change the most are people that drive cars that are like $95,000. And I'm just sure. like, I'm like, are you kidding me yeah, right now? Yeah, yeah. Climate change? Yeah. Really? Well, that, well that's, that's another thing that's kind of prolific in the school system. A lot of green agenda. Uh, is just being entire, dropped let into me the just kids. Tell you, sorry to interrupt you. But no, 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 it's fine. 
No, I know. I'm, this is your platform right now. I mean, you, I, I'm I'm so thankful that you were able to come on here, and I just wanted to give you a, just a platform that you could just share whatever it is that you've wanted to that you haven't been able to before. So, I, and I appreciate you know. that, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, no problem. And uh, just to latch on to your point, if you mm -hmm. read through the geography textbook, mm -hmm. your eyes will literally bleed out the things that you will you will see, the things mm -hmm. that you will read uh it's all about climate change oh it's God. all about fear it's all about consumption of non-renewables yeah right and and it's the, and this is the same stuff that i remember being taught right 30 years ago okay you know, now let me um let me i'll stop you there just for a second um, just sure. so for for those of you who are listening who are not familiar with this subject because sometimes we forget that not everyone's you know up to speed on how this all all works climate change okay just a, a just a general general idea of how this works climate change the, the fact that the climate changes is something that is natural to the working of the holistic harmony of the universe of the planets not a man-made thing man has absolutely nothing to do with the phenomena of climate changing okay um, what we have done, and now what's happened in society is that they have decided that they're going to use this phenomena of climate changing that takes years and years and eons upon eons to make even gradual changes in the climate. But what we've done is we've used it and we've politicized it to wage this kind of psychological war on on people on populations and convince them that what they're doing is causing climate change and they can use that as a precedent to legislate the crap out of you create new taxes up the wazoo launch this green agenda you know it's there's a lot to go into in this ladies and gentlemen i like i don't want to i mean i can't uh, take all the time talking about the the fraud of climate change but um co2 has been labeled the enemy CO2 is, to say that it is essential to the climate would be an understatement. We have documents, internal documents, uh, government documents. We have correspondence where they discuss what, what the, what's the best way that we can manipulate a, the population into a warlike state without actually being at war and using the environment as the enemy to convince the population that is the problem. Years and years ahead of time, before the, the term climate change was even on the scene, we have small groups of unelected government officials chatting, <laughs> literally the evil guys in business suits in the room chatting, he, 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 how can we dupe the public into believing that there's some sort of cataclysmic enemy that needs to be um, uh, fought against so that we can use that as a justification to bring in all sorts of new tyrannical measures. So anyway, I, I just wanted to, to get that out on the table so that people understand what we're what we're going on about here. And, and, and the irony, you know, the irony to add to your point is yeah. while they're preaching this idea of conservation mm -hmm. for you know the normal regular class person, they're also simultaneously simultaneously preaching consumerism and consume, consume, yeah. consume. Yeah. And, and and that's that's the way that they rob us of our culture, our identities mm -hmm. right. as us as canadian citizens right because mass consumers when i yeah. think of, yeah exactly and and it's so funny that you know you, you mentioned the fact that, 
and bringing the world in a state of war without actually bringing it to war yeah. is exactly what they did with COVID. Yes. And uh, yes. it feels like because climate change uh, it kind of hit a rock and people stopped paying attention to it. And I'm sure, uh, you know, the election of Donald Trump had a great deal to do with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we've heard less and less uh, of about climate change until the recent rise of Greta Thunberg, coincidentally right. around the time of the Canadian election. Right, right, right. Uh, right. You know, so basically, it's just, uh, it's just so frustrating. I just... And and let's not forget, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're not seeing that, uh, how should I say this, pollution, okay, human pollution is a real thing. That is a real problem, okay? Pollution is different. But pollution and climate change are not the same thing, okay? So we have to make that uh, very clear so people don't think we're saying, oh, okay, well, what about, you know, the, the polluted oceans and whatnot? Like, yeah, that's pollution. That's a real problem. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about. No, but is, what yeah. you're talking about, you're talking about objective facts. Right, right. You can't debate the fact that pollution exists or not because we see it. We see exactly. You know, we're affected yeah. by it. We were right? exactly. Uh, yeah. But by but by the same token, you know, we we in schools now we only teach one perspective. To, and to latch on to your point mm -hmm. about conservationism and climate change. Uh, you know, I can give you the example of wind turbines, which create noise pollution that are actually, that's actually bad for people that live around it and animals mm -hmm. that live around it. And it contributes to the death of thousands of birds, mm -hmm. you know, in areas where they're located. And, yeah. it, and the funny thing is, is in order to maintain wind turbines, you actually need non-renewable energy because you need right. helicopters to fly in to clean them up. And that's the irony here. And the funny thing is, is they're taking up huge amounts of space. Yeah. You know, and, and we're taught that this is a, an effective way to create energy in schools, which is absolutely mind boggling. Right. It's mind boggling. And, and to add to that point, there's this whole debate about non non renewable energy. At this Canada is such a resource rich country and you know, our, our energy sector is being depleted or it's being prevented from making uh, any sort of economic upswings from activists that go into areas that prevent gas pipes from being built. Right. And and that information is out there. If you watch the documentary Over the Barrel on YouTube, you'll see it. In my class, I like to give a lesson where you have to write a persuasive letter. And the persuasive right. letter is in favor or against wind turbines, for example. Okay. So I expose the students to all the information about wind turbines, whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. They come to the conclusion themselves. And you know what? If they write and either way, whether they agree or disagree, if they give me pure facts, if they make a persuasive argument, mm -hmm. they will get an A or A plus. It's nice. really that simple. Nice. Right? And 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 at the end of the day, you know, teachers are just teaching from this perspective of fear. So mm. there's only this one perspective regarding climate change. There's only this one perspective wow. regarding, you know, global pandemics, right? right? Like we see the illusion of uh, how pandemics affect us. Like if you remember SARS approximately, I think it was 18 years ago or 17 years ago, SARS was a mild shutdown. Some schools closed, some post-secondary uh, schools closed. Yeah. Uh, it was a day that was it. You yeah. know, when uh, when the avian flu came around, it was the same sort of thing. Right. Uh, and then because those strategies didn't work, they didn't evoke fear or didn't guide people 
into the frenzy of, <laughs> of a state of war without being at war, like exactly. you mentioned, exactly. uh, we've gotten COVID. And yeah. the ultimate irony about COVID is that the people that have made all of these protocols have been consistently wrong each and every time. That's right. And yeah. at the end of the day, even if they uh, are right or wrong, they present the numbers to us. And if you calculate the numbers, you will see that it is almost a complete non-threat like the flu. Oh, it's, you know, it's... Every year, every year, a certain amount of people die because of the flu. It's right. a fact. And that number has just maybe slightly increased because of COVID. And now mm-hmm. we've instilled fears. You wanted, you wanted a breakdown of the days at school. This is how it begins. All right. Mm. All the kids are lined up outside with a mask. Oh. As soon as they walk in, before they walk in, they're made to be two meters apart. Uh, when they walk in, they outstretch their hands. They're given uh, hand sanitizer, which absolutely stinks, by the way, and just rocks out your hand. The kids travel upstairs in, a, in almost a militaristic way. There's arrows on the ground that point to where we're supposed to be at all times. There's designated washroom times. What? Uh, what? Uh, what? Yes, there's designated washroom times. Although, although I have to be honest with you, if a kid asks to go to the washroom, I let them go, obviously. Yeah. But I mean, there's each class has a designated washroom time to avoid uh, any, uh, you know, sort of social. Uh, oh, my blood's boiling right now, man. I can feel it. Oh my God. It's, it's. I understand. I understand. I understand. Listen, my blood's been boiling for the last like. 11 years yeah to be honest with you we're mechanizing these kids as if they're just oh my god this is painful to listen to you talk about this because i'm visualizing it and i don't see a school i see a factory no. i see an assembly line it is a it's an assembly line so, sorry cut you off yeah sorry no don't worry about it obviously you know, when it comes to student interests, like you have to gauge your class and you have to see what they're interested in. Yeah. You know, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at that. And I, you know, we call it differentiation, right? Mm-hmm. Like each student has a particular strength and weakness. Each student has a particular uh, interest. So I yeah. try to create lessons that latch onto their interests so that, you know, they're happy to come to school. In, in my opinion, uh, you know, school is one of the best times in your life, whether it's elementary school, high school, or post-secondary school, you know, you meet people, you make friends, you grow as a person, you socialize, you learn who you truly are. And, and, you know, you make relationships that could last you a lifetime. Sure. You you play sports. Sports is wiped out, by the way. There's no sports teams this year. Uh, All sports that must play have to be like, uh, you know, sports that are outside. Uh, that involved uh, some social distancing, like soccer, oh. for example, is okay. Oh. But at recess, at recess, from what I can see, the kids don't are not allowed to play with balls or anything like that. Well, the thing is, we were getting to that point anyways when the kids had access to balls. Yeah. They weren't allowed to use them when it was wet outside. And furthermore, uh, they weren't allowed to play tag anymore. They weren't allowed tag to play? Like <laughs> this is before COVID? This is before COVID. Before before COVID, kids were not allowed to play the game of tag? Yeah, because some kid got injured. And when one person gets injured, obviously the party... Oh, give me a break. As it is with someone. 
give me a goddamn break. I, you know, uh, okay, look, I'm going to be as politically incorrect as possible. The schools, the people that are involved in making school policy, I'm convinced are just straight up wussies and losers. Like, were you never a, a child? Kids make mistakes. Adults make mistakes. Someone's going to inevitably today walk on the sidewalk, trip and fall and hit their faces on the sidewalk. Does that mean we outlaw walking? What is wrong with these people? These are psychopaths. They're micromanagers. You cannot micromanage life. Injury and the potential for injury is, is part and parcel of being a being animated in a body living on planet Earth or whatever, whatever other planet you live on. This is, what, this is what it means to be alive. It's to, it's to have experiences and to learn by them, learn what works and learn what doesn't so that you can in the future have prudence and make accurate judgments on the quality of your life going forward, right? This is what children and people do in life. The problem is, oh. uh, I, I understand your frustration completely. And, and to an extent, of course, I agree with you. Uh, you know, you get some administrators that are more lenient than others, yes. Yeah. Uh, but also, more often than not, you are going to get an administrator that is an empathy-deleted psychopath that only <laughs> cares about moving up uh, the bureaucratic chain of command. So if they are a head teacher, they want to become a vice principal. If they're a vice principal, they want to become a principal. If they're a principal, yeah. they want to fast track working into the board directly. And right. I have to tell you, I don't believe in coincidences because I've read too many books. A lot <laughs> of these was. people have the same type of last names. And a lot mm. of these people are fast tracked into certain positions. Mm. Uh, mm. And mm. we talk about inclusion yeah. as one of our principles. We talk about, uh, you know, uh, inclusivity. However, you <laughs> that there are particular groups that are rewarded more than others right. and I can't get into too much detail about that because uh, you know that would be uh, people would slander me by, by giving me the ultimate insult of calling me a Nazi right. Guess, right, right 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 in all facets of life great people and absolute pieces of shit mm -hmm. and I found in the educational system there's very, 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 very few people that care about the actual well-being and uh, joy and growth right. uh, from kids that right. they can get from the kids. And what some of the greatest experiences that I've had in a classroom, you know, where kids joking around, mm -hmm. you know, and just, you know, being kids, watching them bond because exactly yeah. because that is one of the most. Uh, you know, I hate to say this, but it is an irresponsible period in your life, but it is a, an experimental yeah. period. Yeah. And, uh, you know, every kid should experience it, it, it without the sort of ridiculous limitations. I'm exactly. not saying go out and stab people, yeah. but, you know, certain games that can be played, you know, and it's just these no fun, uh, as I said, empathy deleted psychopaths that exactly. only care about safety and regulations and protocols. There's not a degree of creativity or empathy in them, even though they preach these principles. And it's just sickening to mm -hmm. deal with people like this on a day-to-day -day basis. And luckily, you know what I have to say? I haven't in an extremely long time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I've seen some tremendous administrators, both men and women, get punished 
because the community loves them yeah. for what they've done because they've outshone someone that's probably higher than them. Right. And it's just absolutely scandalous some of the things that were done to these people, like people in positions of power that preach about systemic oppression and systemic racism, but actually happen to be from, from minority backgrounds themselves, mm. indulging in six-figure salaries, taxpayer paid, by the way, because wow. they are in the public educational system. Right. And these people are on Twitter, and they're talking about oppression and systemic, uh, systemic uh, racism. You know, I've, I've heard this term thrown out a lot and it's just absolutely ridiculous because I'm thinking to myself, how can a system, how can a system be systemically racist yeah. if it's filled with minorities? I don't have a problem with that if they're qualified. <laughs> right. I absolutely right. don't have a problem with that if they're qualified. And right. you know what? Some of them are. Right. Some of them are. And their, their, their agenda is clear. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go on to their, their Twitters, I don't want to give out any names or anything like that. Right. You know, this information is out there. It's easy to find if you're, mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're sharp enough, if you pay attention to certain things, you will find these people and they, and they spew this poison yeah. online. And these yeah. are the people that are in charge of, of, of creating the curriculum and enforcing the curriculum mm -hmm. that's going to help your kids grow. Mm -hmm. And you know what, if you have a child, and if he is a boy, I don't care if he comes from a Western European background, or if he comes from an Asian background, or if he uh, comes from an African background, or a Caribbean background, I would strongly recommend homeschooling them. Because yes. honestly, yeah. What, yeah. Doing, what they are doing to males in schools is absolutely disgusting. Oh, God. The treatment of males is absolutely yeah. disgusting. And yeah, yeah. You know, now that we're in a, in a state of uh, true equality, you mm -hmm. know, females are doing well in school. But by the same token, you know, we can't just continue to focus on them. And we are. Right. It's all about these girl power movements and girls right. in science. And where's the, hey, there's a boys club at recess. Yeah. Instead of a girls club constantly. Yeah. And here's the thing thing it's already going to be imbalanced because mm -hmm. in its current form mm -hmm. female it favors excuse me female learning patterns mm -hmm. you know uh, girls can sit and pay attention they have that excellent ability they can absorb information extremely mm -hmm. well and you know they can they can you know produce a product that uh is to their teacher's desire mm -hmm. all right like i've seen some fantastic work from females fantastic yeah. great writing great critical thinkers, but I haven't seen the same degree from the male students. And it's, and right. it's just frustrating to see because, you know, there's this demasculinization going on, right. you know, with regards to, uh, you know, we're attacking the patriarchy. So in order for us to attack the patriarchy, we need to go after Western principles of education. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do? We're going to degrade you know, Western colonialism, you know, we're going to degrade the countries that these Western men created. Were those men in history racist? Yes, but we can't judge them from a contemporary lens. It's like these people want to go back in time and hang these people mm -hmm. uh, for these so-called crimes, but they don't understand that history was much different back then. Right. There's examples of Einstein being absolutely racist in his mm -hmm. diary. He mentions Chinese people as automatons. There are examples <laughs> of Gandhi, of Gandhi. You took the words out of my mouth. Towards yeah. black people. 
Yeah. There's yeah. examples of these people, and we yeah. have Nelson uh, Mandela. Same thing. Nelson horribly Mandela. racist. Horribly racist. Yeah. Horribly racist, and not only horribly racist. Nelson Mandela actually said that the greatest weapon to change the world is education. Yeah. Now, why would you use a term like weapon? Mm, right. If education can change the world positively, why should it be weaponized? Why would exactly. it be weaponized in the first place? Exactly. And that's ex and that's precisely what's happening in, in the field right now. And what's disturbing is because as much as things are just beyond tyrannical right now in the in the school system, uh, we were well on our way there prior to 2020. And Nelson Mandela is deified mm -hmm. in, in the school. Yeah, I work in the school board that I work in, and I'm sure that the situation is the same across every school board. I'm sure it is in this province. Yeah, and it sickens me because yes, I do understand that Nelson Mandela fought for his people, right? But he fought for his people to the same degree that the quote-unquote colonizers used to subject his people. So there was an equal amount of violence and depravity from both sides that never gets mentioned. Yeah. And if you take a look at South Africa now, if you take a look at the murder statistics, for example, under apartheid, South Africa was a much safer place. These yeah. are just yeah. the That's facts. Right. Yeah. These are just the facts. You know, maybe exactly. perhaps there was an equal opportunity for black South Africans. But by the same token, when we talk about something like South Africa, we're just told that Nelson Mandela fought for freedom. Uh, mm. you, you're never taught that South Africa was, you know, largely uh, an, an, an unpopulated and uncolonized place until the farmers arrived there, the Boer farmers arrived there. It was only later where the Bantu arrived that mm -hmm. was contested. And, right. you know, I think people conveniently leave out the fact that there were a lot of African uh, empires that were heavily dependent on slavery the same way that European empires were heavily dependent on slavery, particularly yeah. in ancient times. We're taught in social studies for grade four and fives, oh, teach about the empire of Kush, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know that the greatest form of economic gain in the kingdom of Kush probably came from slavery? You know, it's, it's just like the example of the aboriginal, uh, aboriginal uh, institution of slavery yeah. in North America before the European settlers arrived, sorry, colonizers, I should say, to <laughs> quote these social Marxists. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just so frustrating because, yeah. Yeah. yes, there was, there was war, there was bloodshed, there was slavery, but this is the human condition. This is how we have evolved to this current state of paradise and abundance right. for us in this country. And I feel like a lot of these issues just continue to be uh, churned out and renovated so that more and more people, uh, so that they can form a greater, more and more layers of bureaucracy. Right. They can have continual useless idiots with jobs in anti-racist speaking coming to your school to tell your white students that, you know, that they're subconsciously racist. Oh. You know, that they're subconsciously <laughs> evil. So it's insidious. Ridiculous. It's so insidious. It insidious. Yeah, and there's there's more than one example of, of videos uh, that you can find circulating where people are lecturing, uh, lecturing on white people being incapable of being non-racist. Like if you're if you if your skin is white, you are by default racist, and there's nothing you can do about it. 
it's it's not it's nauseating beyond nauseating how this level of ignorance could be circulating unbelievable and i find i find that this is the greatest of ironies because they like to talk about diversity with regards to people of color right but they never talk about the fact that uh white people are not white people there's a diversity of people that come from europe that have various skin tones that happen to be light mm-hmm. in the same way uh they blanket all black people together you'll hear about anti-black racism anti-black mm-hmm. this anti-black that right but the fact is is that aren't you the one that's being racist because you're blanketing a whole bunch of people that come from diverse regions in Africa right. as just purely black. As just black, yeah, yeah. Right, it's, like, yeah. Isn't, isn't that, and the, and the funny thing is, is that I've met conservative black male teachers from Europe, or sorry, from, you know, they traveled from Europe uh, to Canada, but originally mm-hmm. they made the trek to Europe from Africa, and they're conservative, they're hardworking, they're extremely smart, they're good at mathematics. Yeah. And when when you ask certain when you ask them certain questions, right? Like regarding, you know, do you feel, you know, what do you think of this material? Like do you feel oppressed? Have you ever been have you ever experienced this sort of racism? And they're probably predominantly saying no. Right. Right. You know, yeah. like basically at the end of the day, I think that we're trying to collectivize people and that's extremely sure. dangerous. So you know, we collectivize all black people as oppressed and we collectivize all white people as uh, the yeah. oppressor. And it's, it, is, it is insidious because now, you know, in some cases of history, we've seen the oppressed become the oppressor and vice versa. Well, it's, so, it's, the, it's the age old strategy of social engineering is, is divide the yeah. population into as many fragmented opposing camps as possible so that their attentions are divided amongst a hundred different things, divided amongst as many groups as you can fracture the population into, ideologically yeah. speaking. And thus, they will never be able to cohesively identify the actual root problem, which is an out-of-control, tyrannical authority. Exactly. I, use the, I use the term authority in quotes, uh, you know, this acting authority. But that's yeah. the problem, and and this is this is the big strategy. So essentially, what I'm what I'm getting from you is that in the school system, we're we're waging this war. And correct me if I'm wrong. We're waging this psychological, uh, offensive psychological warfare on on kids. That my terms, uh, that my terminology. We've got a template where we're taking in all sorts of various shapes: polygons, triangles rectangles cylinders whatever and we're hammering them through just one particular form so that we can shape children into a politically expedient product right and we're attacking them in in terms of race uh, ideology like a cultural you know cultural marxist theory we're giving them that we're we're teaching them to be overly sensitive we're teaching them to find offense in everything around you and everything that you see in the environment find the offense and you know and complain about it we're, we're teaching them that everyone is equal which is impossible in nature absolutely. there is absolutely no such thing in nature as equality right there is Never. equality in terms of your your value as a person right you have equal rights as a person as an entity as an animal right 
nature, you have equal rights. That is beyond question. You do. But there's no such thing as equality. Find me the most identical no. set of twins, and there is a difference. There's such a thing as similarity in nature, but equality is impossible. Impossible. Exactly. It's the reason why I look different from you, why you look different than him, why he looks different than exactly. her. Because nature does not understand equality. And when you try to force... To your point. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, to add to your point about how we all look different, Yuri Bezmanov put it beautifully. He said mm -hmm. that some men are, bo are born tall and handsome, but stupid. Yeah. Some men are, are born short, fat, but smart. Yeah. That's just reality of it's the reality. situation. And I think that because we're guiding kids into thinking that they can, you know, all have the same strengths, mm -hmm. you know, we're creating this delusional, uh, yeah. this delusional myth in their head that they can be something that they're not. Yeah. And I think that... The, there's a danger in our dishonesty of teaching. And mm -hmm. that was something that didn't exist when I was in school. Right. You know, you know my teachers were frank and honest with me. Mm -hmm. and, and I appreciated that. Some of them, at least. Yeah. But in, in this day and age, it's, oh, it's just going to be all right. Don't worry about it. Right, right, you know, right, And it's right, like right. kind of just passing them along. And, and it's well, continually to be continually beat down by the system. Yeah. And the system is, is trying to act or it's giving the impression that it's this benign, benevolent force on a kid's life when it exactly. absolutely isn't. That's, absolutely yeah, isn't. that's the thing. Yeah, you touched on something really important there. Um, because by by giving these children this uh, this safety net, this this aura, this illusion of uh, of a of a safety net, an all encompassing safety net that oh, it's fine. Everyone has to accept you for who you are, what you do, regardless of what your behaviors are, blah, 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 right? What we're doing is we're teaching them to be comfortable with the state taking care of you throughout your whole goddamn life, catering to you, doing everything for you. You don't have to worry as long as you do what you're told, essentially. If one of the children has as much as, if they don't, if they don't like you as a teacher and they want you out, they can create any sort of rumor or uh, lie, mm -hmm. you know, to basically get you out. Like yeah. we've reached the point where, uh, and I'm not even just talking about like, you know, sexual innuendo. I'm talking about he could say something racist. You know, mm. you know, I've had, I, I've had situations where you know I've spoken to people, other teachers, where you know they didn't give a particular student a mark at that, and then thought they did, they deserved, and they said that they were racist. Right, right, you know, right. and it's like I read the student's work, and it wasn't, it wasn't. Uh, he he didn't do the job that you know he should have done if he wanted the mark that he wanted. And it's like these people, some of these people feel entitled to to certain standards that mm -hmm. they haven't earned, and they'll use these techniques of oppression and self victimization to get them. We're teaching unreal. kids that it's cool to be the victim, and that's where I have a yes. problem. Nah, We're teaching unreal. kids that it's cool to be a victim. And that's where I have a yes, problem yes, with this. This yes. whole idea that, oh, you're oppressed. Or, you know, you come from this illiterate, poor background that used to be slaves. You know what? I got news for you. I come from an Indo-European background. Uh, my dad is an immigrant. My mom is a refugee. And uh, I have 
nothing but love for the country of Canada because it's given me every opportunity to succeed. And it's mm-hmm. one of the most peaceful and beautiful countries in the world. And to see it succumbing to this sort of communist state, constant demoralization right. uh, that you see in our schools. And, you know, when you grow up, you, you know, you always, when people ask you, where are you from? People, most kids will say, oh, I'm Italian or, oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm Indian or, oh, I'm Pakistani or, oh, I'm Nigerian, right? They'll never say I'm Canadian. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that comes from that subconscious, uh, that subconsciousness, uh, it's it's buried into your subconsciousness as a, as a kid that Canada isn't anything special. It exactly. was just created as the fruits of war. It's not an advanced, you know, civilization right. that has many beautiful cultural elements, the mixture of English yeah. And great and and French natural landscape of the country, our natural yeah. resources, our, the rich indigenous tradition. Like we should be looking at that from a source of pride, mm-hmm. not from a source of oppression and victimization. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that the indigenous people, you know, I, I still feel that in some cases they were treated unfairly. Like I have nothing of, of for uh, I have nothing but contempt for residential schools taking kids away from families uh and beating them and there was huge degrees of 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 rape you know that's absolutely wrong and that should be highlighted and it should be discussed so that future generations shouldn't have to go through it not just indigenous kids but african kids and european kids all kids that live in this country no matter where they come from originally that should be the lesson not the lesson is that white people are evil and Mm -hmm. white people are they are only capable of doing this when in reality it's actually social marxists that are the most capable of doing that and they've yeah. done it before in countries like china where mao basically utilized the youth and the students of his country to kill almost 100 million people and you know tens of millions were killed in in russia because of uh lenin and the marxists there so, I mean, this information is out there and, and I don't want to see us, I don't want to see Canada devolve into, uh, into a communist state like Venezuela. And, yeah. and kids from yeah, Venezuela, yeah. students are coming out and saying, this is how it starts. They attack your police force. They attack your statues. They attack your, your, your identity, you know, your cultural links, everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's ridiculous and it needs to stop. And the, the problem is, is that, it begins in the classroom. And if you're a parent, I implore you, please, please get involved. Please speak to your children's teacher. Please read the curriculum. You know, you know, please go on Twitter, read what some of these high ranking members of the education system have to say. I mean, you people need to critically evaluate the effectiveness of the learning that your kids are doing. Yeah. And, and, and you need to basically deprogram them when they get home. Right. You know, it's important. Family is important. And we're, we're getting to this stage where we're enforcing almost collectivization. As you mentioned, we're just hammering kids through the whole, and yeah. you know, all those kids, Oh, it's all going to be great. You're all going to be in the same place, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. The reality mm-hmm. is we have, we all have strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that I, I because we're creating this delusion uh, of, of the equality of outcome in children today, is that they're not self-critical. I was self-critical <laughs> when I was a kid. I thought, I love art. I love art, but I, I can't even draw a stick man. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean that I'm going to 
detest art and destroy it and host book burning sessions right. for art that I can't replicate. That's right. ridiculous. Right. The socioeconomic impact of students is 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 almost uh, secondary now to the racial makeup of the kid. It's mm-hmm. like I've seen white kids struggle. I've seen black kids struggle. I've seen Indian kids struggle. Mm-hmm. I've seen Pakistani kids struggle. I've seen Filipino kids struggle. And you know what? Of all, all those groups, I've seen all of them, some of them succeed out of those groups as well. Yeah. So yeah. it's just this constant, as I said, demoralization and fracturization and the subsequent consolidation of of, of of these ideas together, this like sort of order out of chaos. And it's just absolutely yeah. frustrating. And you feel as a teacher that you your knowledge is going to be passed on to a future generation and hopefully with that knowledge that future generation could create a better future for themselves and Mm -hmm. the kids that they create you know and i I just don't see that i see us creating this constant stream of victims and oppressed kids kids that have we're normalizing mental uh issues there have been teachers that spend an inordinate, an inordinate amount of time talking about mental health mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. you know what? That's important, I find. you know, Yeah, which it is. Yeah, yeah. It can have the opposite effect if it's yeah. a constant source, constant source. So, you know, so that, that I, that's pretty much all I wanted to say. I just wanted to get it out there. I want parents to become more active in their children's education. It's so important that they know what's being taught in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, you're going to lose your kids if you don't put your foot down and take a look at what they're reading, what they're being assigned, who's teaching them, mm-hmm. and how they're being influenced by that. For those listening, if there's something that you can take away from this, it's one thing to remember. Parents, new parents out there, uh, soon-to-be parents, never, ever forget that it is not government's responsibility to take care of your kids. It is your responsibility. To suggest that some sort of extraneous authority should be responsible for taking care of your kids, it doesn't take much of a trip back in human history before that idea would have been squashed as utter nonsense and rubbish. How could you want to uh, renounce your, your your role, your responsibility in bringing up your kids in teaching your kids and educating your kids. It's largely the parents' responsibility. So we have to remember that. And the more we outsource this responsibility to this responsibility, excuse me, to essentially a propaganda machine, well, you're going to get all of the problems that we have in life right now. And I, and I'm, I, I fear that the COVID situation is, is just compounding this and making it so much worse. And, and we're using this Hegelianism to justify a lot of these technocratic controls over kids, um, getting them accustomed to the social tracking and contact tracing and, and just just submitting everything to the state. And it's, it's, a, it's a very tricky situation. Mr. W, uh, I thank you so much. Uh, I know that we've there's so much we could be discussing. There's so much to get into. It's it's a never-ending field of, of uh, discussion. But um, if there's anything else that you we didn't get into, um, any material that you wanted to cover, just let me know, and then we, I can have you on again, and we can we can dedicate another session to that. But 
Um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I truly, I truly, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, no, no. I truly appreciate the platform that you've given me. Uh, ever since I've seen your work on YouTube, I've been a big fan, and I truly oh, appreciate you. your perspective. And and and, and I'm, I'm happy that there are, there are others out there mm-hmm. that uh, you know are are critical. You know, because we may not agree on everything, but we right. can agree on you know looking at something from a critical eye so that we can be deconstructed and reconstructed as something better right and that's ultimately that's ultimately what you want to do uh you know is improve uh you know the future mm-hmm. uh, society in the future and the best way to do that is to start really creating yes. critical thinkers at school not creating uh you know fearful robots <laughs> that have to mimic and you know re- repeat lines so that yeah. they can become successful yeah thank you thank you and for the listeners uh, thanks a lot for taking part in this for jumping onto the onto the show uh, if you thought this was helpful then make sure to subscribe to the channel give this video a like give it a thumbs up tell us what your thoughts are but for now that'll be it so we'll see you guys next time okay take care